Hello and welcome to edition number 1984 of the Whitney Talking News, which we are recording in the High Street Methodist Church in Whitney on Thursday the 26th of October 2023. I'm Bridget Walton and I edited this edition. Beside me at the recording controls we have Gavin Smalley. This week we have items which are sombre, informative and topical. Our four readers are Marnie Leach, Mike Franklin, Andrew and John Ashwell. And if you've got this far, you'll have realised that we have new pouches. The blue ones are perfectly all right, um, and the yellow ones were really getting quite shabby. So uh, blue pouches are the order of the day. Marnie reads our first story which reminds us of our responsibilities to our neighbours and to the planet. Sandra Simpson's District Dossier. She's the Green Party councillor for Whitney Town and West Oxfordshire District. Most of us have accepted help from others or willingly offered help Years of government cuts in in services to the poorest have taken their toll and the cost of living rises. Thank goodness for all the wonderful people who volunteer for local organisations such as Home Start, the food banks, the community fridges, Citizens Advice, Community First Oxfordshire and Volunteer Linkup to name a few. Other groups run weekly lunches for the elderly, playgroups for the young, and opportunities for people to get together for mutual support. Every day, many people pass on simple acts of kindness, noticing when someone needs help, getting in a neighbour's bin, or sharing garden produce. We are lucky to have so many generous people in our area. The challenge for all of us on a larger and more long-term scale is climate change. Will this winter give us a beast from the east again, or more water than the drains can cope with? It's easy to feel powerless in the face of this global challenge. But our actions make a difference. The need for recycling can feel like a burden, particularly for those younger people who have not lived through less affluent and wasteful times. It's only human to resist extra work, sorting different types of waste and recycling, or switching off the lights or the motor. But this recent revolution in personal responsibility has resulted in big benefits to us all and our children and grandchildren will be the ones who gain. They are the ones who will have to deal with climate extremes. There are many places to find help for individuals and families. Start on the West Oxfordshire website, westoxon.gov.uk, and click on 
cost of living support to reduce pollution and fight climate change try climate action oxfordshire.org.uk or yourvoice.westoxen.gov.uk forward slash green light. We can all make small changes to save resources and help everyone. Saving expensive energy by dealing with drafts and poor insulation. Growing your own food and herbs even choosing your bank and utility companies to support their green policies. Residents of our area are lucky to be near natural places where we can enjoy greenery, trees and nature. Just being in places away from noise, exhaust fumes and buildings is a great pick-me-up. We all benefit from being in the fresh air amongst trees and plants. Give it a go. Now Mike has a forecast, not a weather forecast, a political forecast. Tories predicting election win in Whitney. If a general election were to be held tomorrow, the Conservatives would win Whitney, it has been claimed despite the party losing support elsewhere. The Conservatives suffered two heavy by-election defeats, with Labour Labour overturning majorities to take Mid-Bedfordshire and Tamworth. It has led to speculation about what could happen at the next general election. Political forecasting website Electoral Calculus carries out a poll of polls aggregating all the latest polls and applying them to the results of the last general election to predict what would happen if there were a snap election. Electoral calculus' latest prediction has a Labour majority, the likeliest outcome, at 93%, with only a 2% chance of a majority for the Conservatives. However, the website's latest prediction is that the Conservatives would hold Whitney. It gives the party a 63% chance of winning, Labour 23% and Liberal Democrats 14%. In 2019, Robert Courts won Whitney and West Oxfordshire with 33,856 votes, a majority of 15,177 The Liberal Democrats came second with 18,679 votes and Labour came third with 8,770 votes. Electoral calculus based its prediction on the proposed new Whitney constituency which will include more areas to the south including Farringdon. Anne's story is for the drinkers amongst you. A £2 beer tasting menu launched at a Whitney pub. Pub goers can sample three beers for just £2 at a Whitney pub. Beer drinkers can sample three Green King beers for a reduced price until November the 2nd at Ye Old Cross Keys, 
one of six pubs across the county to hold the promotion. The beer sample paddle contains three one-third pint measures for less than the average price of one pound. Samples include Green King, IPA and the brand's two crafts beer, Level Head Session, IPA and Flint Eye Dry Hopped Lager. Each beer sampler is served with a tasting note card which allows customers to write their own tasting notes and scan a QR code to find out more about the Green King range and history as a brewer. Business unit director for Green King, Alex Dawson, said, we rapidly, We're rapidly approaching that time of year when Brits leave the beer gardens behind and head inside to the cosy, welcoming atmosphere of a pub. A change in season is when most people change their drink of of choice. So what better time to try a new beer that you've never sampled before? Customers will only be able to purchase £2 beer sampler paddles from Monday to Thursday and will only be permitted to purchase one per person. John's article may or may not surprise residents of some West Oxfordshire towns. District towns are among the best places to live. Three West Oxfordshire towns feature in a dream list of the best places to live in the country. Woodstock, Burford and Chalbury are mentioned in the top 260 best places to live list published by lifestyle guide Muddy Stilettos. The locations have been rated on their nearby attractions, shops, house prices, culture and a range of other factors. Wallingford was last year named the best place to live in Oxfordshire due to its lively shopping and restaurant scene and other local attractions. The town makes it onto the shortlist again this year and will be looking to defend its title. Also recommended are Watlington, Henley, Whitchurch, Warborough, Goring and East Oxford. Kingham, near Chipping Norton, made last year's shortlist but failed to make the list this year. In its description of Oxfordshire, Muddy Stiletto said, From dreaming spires to Cotswold villages, bluebell forests to foodie havens, Oxfordshire straddles rural idyll and city sophistication like no other county. Free all-day parking stays to support town workers. There are no plans to introduce parking charges in Whitney, the council reaffirmed, as it extended all-day free parking in a town centre car park. West Oxfordshire District Council has been trialling permitting free long-stay in Zone G of the Woolgate car park since July 2022. Previously, there was free parking for up to three hours. Tim Sumner, Cabinet Member for Leisure and Major Projects, said, Earlier this year, we surveyed the use of our car parks 
to look at how we can improve parking across the district. As a result, we will be improving signage to help people reach and use our car parks and make our successful trial of free long stay in Woolgate to support people working in Whitney Town Centre permanent. He said the council is also doing more maintenance where it is needed. A good example being the disabled bays in the Woolgate car park, which will have repair works done shortly. He added, we would also like to reaffirm that we have no plans to charge for parking in our car parks. Over 1,100 residents responded to the council survey on usage of the 14 free car parks across the district last year. The survey updated the data collected in 2016 when the council published its parking strategy. However, while it showed many car parks had a lot of capacity, free car parks in the tourist hotspots of Woodstock and Burford had higher than average use. June, pay and display bays plus permit parking was introduced in Woodstock Town Centre. <coughs> At the time, hotels without car parks said they feared their guests and staff would not find spaces in Hensington Road, which was often full of tradesmen's vehicles. Dennis Allen, chair of Wake Up to Woodstock, a non-profit association which aims to attract more visitors to the town, warned those staying for a week end or longer could be caught in a, need, in a need to keep moving cars. In 2021, Burford Town Council was refused planning permission to add about 150 spaces to the Guildenford car park for the second time. Its plan to expand into a neighbouring field was refused on grounds including the effect on the Grade 1 listed St John the Baptist Church and the flood risk. Mayor of Burford, Peter Higgs, said, We are pleased that the district has confirmed its 2016 finding that Burford's car park at Guildenford is under strain. Although useful data was collected during the year on levels of occupancy, a more comprehensive survey of the usage is needed before a strategy for capacity expansion can be developed. In the meantime, the Town Council will be pressing the district to take action to increase the flood resilience of the car park and improve the light, lighting on the bridge access, accessing the car park. The District Council said further studies will have to be done to look at capacity and further improvement, improving parking. It said it will maintain its enhancement action to, to tackle people parking poorly or misusing disabled bays. Inadequate care service users are at risk of neglect. 
a care provider that left one client to be looked after by a non-existent husband and another missing their medication for three weeks has been rated inadequate. Inspectors from the Care Quality Commission, CQC, said the safety of the service provided by PLL Care Services, its effectiveness, responsiveness and leadership were all inadequate. The National Health Watchdog graded how caring it was as requiring improvement. At the time of the inspection in August and September, PLL Care, based in North Lee Business Park near Whitney, was providing services to 169 people. The CQC report, published on October the 17th, found one person was neglected on two occasions. On a first visit, they received no fluid or medication. On another visit, a staff member noted, found the person well, gave the person a wash, and left the person in bed with the husband. They gave no medicines, breakfast, or personal care, as they said it would be handled by the husband. But this person did not have a husband. The CQC said this inaccurate information had not been identified by the service, which put people at risk of neglect. Another client had a diagnosis of epilepsy, which was noted in their care plan, but there was no risk assessment about the types of seizure they'd had. Inspectors said staff we spoke to were not sure what action they should take if this person had a seizure. Another person's care notes said they were at risk of harm to and from their partner and staff supporting them. There was no information for staff about this risk and what action they should take to reduce the risk of harm, the CQC said. Before the inspection, the County Council told the CQC of a number of safeguarding concerns raised by the Council or supporting professionals that the service had been made aware of. Not all of these concerns have been recorded and investigated by the provider in line with their responsibilities. Systems were not in place to ensure people's medicines were available or they were taking them as prescribed. One medication risk assessment stated the person's family members collected their medical that's why their medicines from the pharmacy. The CQC said, however, this person did not have any family involved in their care. The pharmacy attempted to deliver their medicines. However, as this person was unable to access the front door due to their mobility, they missed these medicines for three weeks. Inspectors found there was limited evidence to show employees have the qualifications, competence, skills and experience necessary for the job. Not all staff had references and staff members' uh, start dates were documented as being before the service received their application and in some cases start dates were before the interview date. 
Inspectors said they'd heard concerns from people using the service about staffing and their hours. A person using the service told them staff get picked up at 6.40am and drop back home again at 10pm. Their break is spent in the car as all don't drive. Staff concerned uh, confirmed they only get paid for the first for the visit times to people's homes and not travel between the visits. This meant the staff often worked long hours but only received four hours pay. The report said despite comments regarding the kindness of individual staff members, the widespread shortfalls and the lack of personalised care identified throughout this report meant the approach of the service could not be considered caring. The company has been placed in special measures. PPL Care has been contacted for comment. Hospital COVID cases. An estimated 95,000 to 167,000 people may have caught COVID in hospitals between June 2020 and March 2021, an Oxford study shows. Data from 145 English NHS acute hospital trusts was assessed in the University of Oxford study, including 356 hospitals with a combined bed capacity of approximately 100,000. The researchers said these findings reveal the previously unrecognised scale of hospital transmission has direct implications for targeting of hospital control measures and highlight the need to design hospitals better equipped to limit transmission of pathogens. Drug dealers set to face new charges for cocaine wraps. A Whitney drug dealer may face more serious charges after it turned out that more than four-fifths of his amphetamine wraps were actually cocaine. Christoph Bembenista, 48, pleaded guilty at the magistrate's court to possession with intent to supply Class B amphetamines last month. He also admitted having dirty cash. But on Thursday, Oxford Crime Court was told that all 233 wraps seized by the police in Whitney on September the 23rd had now been tested. Full checks revealed that 202 were cocaine, a Class A drug, and only 31 were the less serious Class B substance. The maximum sentence for dealing Class A drugs like cocaine is life imprisonment, compared to 14 years in jail for Class B drugs such as amphetamines. A second item on similar lines. Charges for drug supply after search. A Whitney man has been charged with drug supply offences after an, an address was searched by police. Callum Sullivan of Wenman Road was charged with one count each of possession with intent to supply cocaine and possession with intent to supply cannabis. 
His arrest came after officers executed a drugs warrant at an address in Wenman Road, which is in the Tower Hill area of the West Oxfordshire town. Another person was arrested but has seemingly not been charged. Hair coursing, police chase. A person suspected to be involved in hair coursing escaped police after a chase which included air support. The incident happened after officers with the Thames Valley Police Rural Crime Task Force attended a hair coursing in progress call near Bampton in West Oxfordshire on Friday night. A vehicle, a silver Jeep Cherokee, suspected of being involved, was spotted by officers, but it then made off. Despite the officers' efforts, the driver escaped across the nearby fields. A helicopter was called in, but no arrests were made. And a further crime article. A woman is accused of cancer fundraising theft. A woman will appear before a Crown Court judge next month accused of stealing fund-raised cash intended for a cancer charity and hospice. Naomi Ares, 34, is alleged to have fraudulently said that the proceeds of an event held at Chipping Norton Rugby Club in June 2022 will be split between Macmillan Cancer Support and Catherine House Hospice. She is also accused of stealing money said to be £1,200 destined for the two charities. Appearing before Oxford Magistrates Court on Friday morning, Aries of the Paddocks, Enstone, indicated not guilty pleas to allegations of fraud by false representation and theft. The case was sent to Oxford Crown Court for a trial preparation hearing on November the 23rd. Bus services promised nearly £2 million in funding. Oxfordshire has been promised £1.9 million in government funding to improve bus services throughout the county over the next two years. This funding will see Sunday single fares in December in the run-up to Christmas, set to a capped £1, and the potential creation of a, country, a county-wide day bus ticket valid for all operators. The new funding comes in addition to £12.7 million from the Government in August 2022, following the Oxfordshire County Council's successful bus service improvement plan application. The additional £1.9 million of funding is for measures designed to help maintain service levels and ensure essential social and economic connectivity for local communities. Councillor Andrew Gant, Oxfordshire County Council's Cabinet Member for Transport Management, said This funding shows the importance that is placed on public transport in this county and our commitment to getting people back onto the buses. Package of proposals represents a step change in service provision across Oxfordshire, with all the districts benefiting from the same level of improvement as a result. 
The Council established the Oxfordshire Bus Enhanced Partnership with the, co- uh, with the county's private bus operators earlier this year, which brings together key stakeholders to deliver better services, ticketing and infrastructure. While bus operators retain their ability to make commercial decisions, they work with the council to promote improvements for passengers. Rachel Jelliamassi, Managing Director of Stagecoach West, said this additional funding is good news. We're working closely with Oxfordshire County Council to look at opportunities to improve bus services across the county. One proposal is to create a day ticket that is valid on all operators' services in Oxfordshire. Both the county's main bus providers, Oxford Bus Company and Stagecoach, offer day tickets for unlimited travel on their own services across Oxfordshire. Funding is also intended for offer of financial support for the current Oxford Bus Network, including bus services affected by the Botley Road closure, provide a new bus service between Whitney Carterton, provide faster peak hour buses between Banbury and Oxford, help retain and improve Oxford orbital services serving the hospitals, including the 700, which additionally will run on weekends for the first time. The headline to this article is in quotation marks. Extravagant 500,000 refit at council is unnecessary. A council chamber refit costing up to half a million pounds and paid for by local taxpayers has been branded unnecessary and irresponsible by Tory councillors who say the money should have been spent on frontline services. The upgrade of the West Oxfordshire District Council Chamber will include new carpets, walls, ceiling, lighting, furniture, an electrical and data upgrade, replacing convector heaters and radiators, and additional insulation. The Liberal Democrat, Labour and Green Coalition, which runs the council, says once the works are complete later this year, it can be used for community events and it can start live streaming meetings for the public to take part. But Conservative members, who estimate the cost at £500,000, say... The extravagant allocation of funds has raised concerns among local residents about the responsible use of public finances. And they argue that the expenditure, during a time of economic uncertainty and pressing financial challenges for the council, is unwarranted. Councillor Michelle Mead, leader of the Conservative group, said, Council chambers play an essential role in the democratic process, but the question remains whether such an investment is justifiable in the current fiscal climate. When I was leader of the council, 
this proposal arrived on my desk, but I didn't consider it necessary for taxpayers to be funding such an upgrade, given we have key frontline services to run. Council said 500,000 figure quoted by the Conservatives was not the final cost for the work, but the initial cost put forward in an earlier budget allocation. A total budget of £457,260 was allocated to the Chamber Refit project in July 2022. This comprised refit, based on the quantity surveyor assessment, £2,350 furniture, folding desks, stacking chairs based upon suitable furniture being identified and costed, £131,210 and mechanical and electrical adjustments based on the quantities of surveyor assessment, £83,700. The council is also spending an additional £250,000 on upgrades to technology to be able to live, to, to live stream the meetings. This is covered by government funding which was awarded to the council for this purpose. Council leader Andy Graham said, the work on the council chamber is part of wider changes to our council offices which will overall reduce the financial costs and carbon impact of the council's operations and increase public accessibility. The new council chamber will be a modern, versatile space that can be used by many in the community for a variety of events and activities, including meetings, weddings, community functions and business events. The working costs for the upgrades to the chamber are 350000 and £23. The Tories have invested in the chamber over the have not invested in the chamber over the last 35 years. The chamber was not used by anyone else, an average 12 days of use per year in that time. What a waste. The new flexible multi-use council chamber would allow the flexi space to be used for state-of-the-art technology for meetings and community events such as special events and raise much-needed revenue to support local services. The technology has been paid for by a special grant award, so it's best value. Village appeal to buy local pub fails to hit cash target. A community bid to buy a village pub near Oxford appears to have failed. The pub in Cassington Road was registered as an asset of community value and shares were sold through the Yonton Community Benefits Society to help raise the funds needed to buy the 425,000 freehold, but only about 10,000 was raised. The asset of community value order expired last week and a pub company or another interested party could now acquire the closed pub from Admiral Taverns. A statement put out by the steering group of Yarnton Community Benefits Society on October the 14th 
reads, we managed to raise only £10,050 from 49 shares. Given the circumstances, it is with disappointment that we, the steering group, have decided to withdraw from the acquisition of the Red Lion. We move forward, obey in a different direction than initially envisaged, with continued dedication to fostering community and preserving our unique local character. Current information from Admiral Taverns indicates another buyer. We hope the new owners will continue its legacy as a community pub. Another factor in the society's withdrawal, according to the Oxford Drinker, the magazine of Real Ale Group, Camera, Campaign for Real Ale, was the failure to secure government funding to match the amount raised by the share offer. It is understood the society also raised money through fundraising efforts which will be spent on other projects in the village. Artful new bar and bottle shop fills a gap for drinkers. A new bar combined with a bottle shop and an art gallery claims to be showcasing the best Oxfordshire craft drink brands and artists all in the same place. The Fainting Goat has opened in premises formerly occupied by Mrs Bumble's Deli in Burford High Street. It is run by Catherine Tobin and Mark Acred and their colleague Lisa Cleave of the Cotswold Drinks Company whose signature drink is a toffee and vodka. Mr Acred said, We set up the company just before lockdown, but then didn't do much for obvious reasons. Then we launched our toffee and vodka. We didn't want to do yet another flavoured gin. We wanted something a bit more fun than that. They sell the drink, which is crafted in small batches in Blackborton, at music festivals, ski shows and Christmas markets, as well as online. Mr Acred said, We set up Fainting Goat to push our brand, as well as other local brands, as much as possible. So we stock Wood Brothers, Shandy Shack, uh, Skywave from Bista. We thought the art gallery would be a cool mix. We will change the work often. Last week's quiz and answers. Question one. In which English county are Longleat, Stonehenge and Avebury? Answer, Wiltshire. Question two. Which of these alternatives best explains the word Ursine? Pig-like, bear-like, hairy. And the answer is bear-like. Question three, what is the name of the Dutch national airline? Answer, KLM. Question four, which English theologian founded Methodism? Answer, John Wesley. And finally, question five, where in the human body would you find the malleus? Answer, the ear. Very little on the notice board today. No birthdays, but an invitation. 
an invitation to the AGM, the 45th Annual General Meeting and election of officers and committee members will take place on Monday the 6th of November 2023 from 7 in the evening until 9. It will be held in the Radford Room of the High Street Methodist Church in Whitney. You're warmly invited to attend, together with a companion. This is an opportunity to meet other listeners and our volunteers. At the end of the business, light refreshments will be served. We do hope you will come and join us. If you are able to attend, please let Doreen Turner know by telephoning 01993-657745. And remember that there are other ways of listening to the Whitney Talking News, not just from your memory sticks. My contribution is from a magazine produced for Black History Month, which is about to end. The publication is subtitled Saluting Our Sisters and features black women with significant roles now and in the past. There are so many examples of inspiring women that it has been difficult to decide who to include. I have chosen five. Chi Onwara is a Labour MP for Newcastle-upon-Tyne who qualified as an engineer. I am paraphrasing her reply to the question, why does Black History Month matter? She said, I was brought up in Newcastle and went to fantastic local schools where I learnt about our great region. I was inspired to become an engineer by hearing of Stevenson and Parsons, but I learned nothing of black history. My knowledge of black people who were successful was mostly limited to sportsmen and women and musicians. But black history is British history and should be taught. There is justice in telling the stories and power in sharing the diversity of achievement in our history. Chionwara is one of many black women who have done well in STEM occupations. STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering and Mathematics. Another is Titi Windapo, who is pushing boundaries in the renewable energy sector and is seeking sustainable solutions for our energy needs. Angela Sane is a journalist who challenges biased beliefs about race and gender in science. Professor Dame Donna Kinnear's expertise is in health. She has been Chief Executive of the Royal College of Nursing. She focuses on child health and has helped shape child health care policy in Britain. Also now working in health is Staff Sergeant Angelique James. She joined the Army in 2003, attracted in part by the opportunities for sport. She said... I have played several sports in the army, but basketball has been the main one. I met my husband through military basketball. I injured my hip badly and worried that I would be discharged, but the army's health care and rehabilitation support put me back on track. Now I run the Defence Recovery Education Training Course. Just five black women from over a 100 in the magazine and many hundreds and thousands more not cited, are not covering commerce, law, the arts, community projects, and every other aspect of life 
in all of which black women are active. Their history matters, as well as the present and future of us all. You won't be surprised that this week's quiz concerns black women. And now for this week's quiz. What is the first name of Professor Anderin Pocock's who is an, an astronomer who frequently speaks engagingly about space on radio and television. It starts with M as a clue. Which singer, born in Cardiff, said, I don't sing rock. Rock singers sing about girls. I sing about women. The third question, in which year did Nicola Adams win a gold Olympic medal for boxing. Question four. What word is missing from the title of this book written by Bernadine Avaristo? Girl? Other question. Mark. Fifth question. In which war was Mary Seacole, who was born in 1805 in Jamaica, and died in 1881 in London. A nurse. The following deaths are announced in this week's Whitney Gazette. On the 14th of October, Joyce Mary Curtis, near Thornet, of Minster Lovell, aged 97. And also on the 14th, Andrew James Smith, aged 70. On the 17th of October, Vincent Barry Cullen, known as Barry, of Carterton, aged 79. On the 18th of October, Joan Beryl Cluley, aged 99. And also on the 18th, Sarah Rose Neetrinda, known as Sadie, aged 88. We offer our condolences to all the families and friends. We don't have a visitor to provide a reflection this week, but what comes next may make you thoughtful. As we start to wear red and white poppies for Remembrance Day, we'll be aware of so much conflict around us now, as well as remembering the past. Perhaps we'll wonder why our honouring of and grief for the war dead doesn't lead us to abandon fighting as a way to settle disputes. There may be a case for being able to defend ourselves, but armed attack creates problems. It doesn't solve them. Families are broken by death and by needing to care for those permanently damaged physically and mentally. Society is deprived of active members to support the economy. Homes are destroyed, infrastructure smashed, and land left desolate and made dangerous with landmines. Cultivation and harvesting of crops and care of livestock is reduced. The world is altogether a poorer place. The good people gathered round our war memorials on November the 12th will be longing for peace, and some will be mourning individuals. Some may also go to a graveside to reflect on a life they knew. 
the Commonwealth War Graves Commission may care for those graves. Great war hero honoured with a new headstone. A new headstone has been installed to mark the grave of a fallen First World War hero who was killed aged just 22. The stone in Witness Tower Hill Cemetery is that of Royal Engineer Pioneer Frederick George Reginald Moore. Although his stone is the latest to be placed in the cemetery, he is among the first recorded as interred there but on the Commonwealth War Graves Commission's records. In 2017, Whitney Town Council carried out a research into its war graves as part of the Heritage Open Day, which delved into the history of the Tower Hill Cemetery. It uncovered the very first book of burial records for the churchyard. Along with Frederick Moore's stone, a green plaque states that there are 12 war graves in the cemetery, seven from the First World War, five from the Second. However, some of the town's war dead are interred in family plots and do not have a Commonwealth War Graves Commission headstone, while others are in graves that are not marked with any sort of memorial. A map showing the locations and a list of the fallen has also been installed on cemetery notice boards. There are two more First World War stones and a plaque at Holy Trinity Churchyard, while Lucy Harris is recorded as being laid to rest in the churchyard at St Mary's Cogs, although her grave is not marked. And the editor would like to add, Lucy was born in Whitney, probably illegitimately, moved away and married. She joined the Women's Royal Air Force in 1917 and died of Spanish flu in 1918. Her body was returned to Cogs to be buried beside her mother. At the time of the centenary of World War I, it was proposed that her name should be put on the Whitney War Memorial, but the remaining family declined the offer. There are slightly differing details in different accounts on the internet, and the editor apologises if she has the wrong version. A Whitney Town Council press release provided the information the Whitney Gazette used for that article and expands on the work of the Commonwealth War Graves Commission, CWGC. For example... The CWGC put the name, dates and branch of the forces to which the person interred belonged and families could pay per letter for an epitaph if they wished and could afford it. 22-year-old Walter Thomas Free's parents, who lived in Essex, dug deep and his stone in Tower Hill Cemetery says... Sweet is the memory that will not fade of him we loved but could not save. Harold Simpson was from a Whitney family. They chose to put, so he gave his beloved life to the world a marine, to us the world. Another pricey engraving. 
Most of the CWGC memorials in Tower Hill Cemetery are of, West, are of West Oxonians, but one is for a Canadian. Randall Clifton Flory from Whitney is buried in a family plot in the cemetery, not a CWGC grave. His two brothers, Graham Starkey Flory and Reginald Allen Flory, also died in the Second World War. Such grievous loss. The town council press relief, te- press relief tells us that the CWGC put a red poppy on every war grave for Remembrance Day each year. If this tradition continues, they will be visiting lots of churchyards and cemeteries near us. Not just in the larger towns like Chipping Norton and Woodstock, but small villages such as Bledington. In Chipping Norton, they will go to the churchyard at Holy Trinity, the Roman Catholic Church, as well as to the cemetery. The family vault in the Anglican Church of St. Mary is not the CWGC's responsibility, but as it holds the ashes of Major General Sir Charles Tewitt Dawkins, who died in 1919, age 60, it is considered a war grave. In Woodstock, a poppy will lie on the grave of Ronald Peter Hoare, who died in 1940 when only 16 years old. He was serving a ship's boy on HMS St. George. His is not the only war grave in Woodstock. You will realize that there are hundreds more than mentioned here who were and are mourned by those who loved them. Let us hope the current wars will not be dominating our thoughts this time next year. And now for a not very local sports item. Liam Manning has paid tribute to Manchester United and England great Sir Bobby Charlton, who has died aged 86. He made his debut for United in 1956 and went on to play 758 matches for the Red Devils, scoring 249 goals. Charlton won 103 caps for England, scoring on 49 occasions. Oxford United head coach Manning grew up supporting the Red Devils and paid homage to football legend Charlton after the U's drew 1-1 at home to Blackpool. The editor remembers when England won the World Cup, which we all know was 1966, as the day she first felt her baby kick. Dates of subsequent children's first kicks are not remembered. The following is a letter to the paper, the newspaper with an unusual request. Traffic cones. I am writing a history of the traffic cone, 
and I am looking for anyone who might have old brochures for Peter Cook's safety products or Johnston's safety products, both of which are Oxfordshire institutions and played an important role in the developing the ubiquitous, iconic and often infuriating road cone. Please get in touch with me at the email address all in small letters rdmcg1980 at iclood.com from Robert McGregor address supplied it's a wrap for new series of Clarkson's Farm Jeremy Clarkson has confirmed that the filming of the new season of Clarkson's Farm on Amazon Prime has officially concluded Caleb Cooper from the show also celebrated the end of filming by sharing a sneak peek into the crew's rap party in an online post. The post included details of Mr Cooper and Mr Clarkson's long-time collaborator and grand tour boss Andy Woolman competing in a good-natured arm wrestle. Mr Clarkson has recently admitted he contemplated putting Diddley Squat Farm in Chadlington on the market after a series of disasters. He admitted spending the week contemplating selling the farm after struggling with problems such as fail crops and adverse weather conditions, making it hard to turn a profit. And finally, three seasonal stories. Grim fairy tale frights at haunted house. A farm museum is offering a ghoulishly great day out, full of Halloween thrills for half term. The historic manor house at Cogs Manor Farm in Whitney has been transformed into a witch's house with the dark theme of Grimm's fairy tales. Visitors can tiptoe through each spooky room and be scared silly by sights and sounds from Hansel and Gretel, Beauty and the Beast, Pinocchio, Cinderella, Little Red Riding Hood and other tales. A pumpkin trail has been laid around the house and afterwards visitors can enjoy a witch's brew in the Cog's Kitchen Cafe with Halloween-themed treats. Children will enjoy the dressing-up rail with costumes made by volunteers, while craft activities include making fabric ghosts, creating chilling chalk pictures and spooky storytelling in the stables. Meanwhile, adults and children can visit the witch's house after dark for theatrical, immersive tour of the haunted house with live actors. Have a spine-chilling Halloween at Palace. Crowds wander through the mysterious grounds of Blenheim Palace for the Halloween experience, 
which runs in autumn half-term. People can discover demons, listen to the werewolves howl, and watch out for the warlock. And finally, pumpkin play. Animals at a wildlife park have been getting into the Halloween spirit by exploring carved pumpkins. White rhinos, giant tortoises, snakes and meerkats were captured on camera by photographer Philip Joyce at Cotswold Wildlife Park in Burford. This seasonal activity helps keep the animals stimulated. And there's a lovely picture of a mouse exploring a pumpkin. Well, that's all we have time for. Please remove the memory stick from the playback unit and close the metal shield. Remember to reverse the plastic label on the blue pouch before posting it back to us. Please do so as soon as possible, as we sometimes run out of labels and pouches and are then unable to continue our service to you. Remember, if you wish to contact us, just leave a slip of paper in your pouch and we will telephone you. It only remains for me to thank the Whitney Gazette, saluting our sisters and the Town Council for the stories we have used tonight. Also thanks to our technical expert, Gavin Smalley, and our copiers, John and Marnie, who are copying the memory sticks. And thanks to our admin team, who have been checking the pouches and memory sticks you have returned and keeping records of this in our register. And they were Dorothy Allen and Shirley Rawlings. And finally, our four readers, Marnie, Mike, Anne and John. And of course, I should remind you that you can hear the broadcast listings after we have said goodbye to you. I know everyone would like to say goodbye, and so until our next edition, goodbye. Goodbye. Good night. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. And now for a look at this week's radio highlights, starting with Saturday the 28th of October. In 1967, Miriam Makiba recorded Pata Pata, the song which made her an international star. It helped raise awareness of apartheid in South Africa, but led to her being forced to live in exile. Soul Music at 10.30am on Radio 4 looks at the story behind Pata Pata. There's a new series on Radio 4 in which Mike Gunton goes behind the scenes of the wildlife TV series Planet Earth and talks to David Attenborough about what it was like in the field in his earlier days and how things have changed. That's the Planet Earth podcast on Radio 4 at 2.45pm. The Radio 4 drama at 3pm today is Lolly Willows, a dramatisation of Sylvia Townsend Warner's 1926 comic novel. Lolly lives a quietly dull life with her brother and his family, but decides to move to the country where she discovers witchcraft. More drama to come with part one of The Midwich Cuckoos. Bill Nye stars in John Wyndham's sci-fi classic. 
a sleepy English village, is thrown into turmoil when the women simultaneously give birth to a race of sinister children. Tune in at 4pm on Radio 4 Extra, but you'll have to wait until midnight on Friday the 3rd of November for the second and concluding episode. Opera on 3 tonight features a recent Royal Opera House performance of Donizetti's L'Elysia d'Amour. This witty comedy is a love story between the peasant Nemorino and his boss, the beautiful Adina, who hastily agrees to marry Sergeant Belcour at 6.30 on Radio 3. Archive on 4 this week looks at the Greyhound bus which, for nearly 100 years, has been connecting big cities in the US to remote towns that no train or plane can reach. Former CNN foreign correspondent turned singer-songwriter Doug Levitt travels across the US on the buses and is inspired to write songs based on travellers' stories. That's Archive on 4, The Greyhound Diaries, at 8pm on Radio 4 and repeated on Friday the 3rd of November at 12.04pm. Finally, for Saturday the 28th of October, comes the third instalment of G.F. Newman's The Corrupted, starring Toby Jones. While waiting for a visit in prison from Leah, Brian receives some devastating news at 9pm on Radio 4. Sunday the 29th of October Lauren Laverne's castaway on this week's Desert Island Discs is gynaecologist and women's ambassador for health, Leslie Regan. Tune in at 11.15am on Radio 4, repeated on Friday the 3rd of November at 9am. Then, at 11.30am over on Radio 4 Extra, is a reading of Heartburn, Nora Ephron's 1983 witty autobiographical work. Today's Radio 4 drama is She's Not There, Boileau Narcissac's French novel Celle qui n'était plus. Learn more about the novel in opening lines at 2.45pm on Radio 4 and then tune into the dramatisation at 3pm about the mind games that develop between a controlling man, his desperate wife and their mutual lover. Drama on 3 tonight features Hamlet Noir, a gripping adaptation of Shakespeare's play set and recorded in modern-day Denmark, which interweaves the original text with a detective narrative. Prince Hamlet is on a quest to avenge his father's murder. Meanwhile, Detective Eva Holm investigates the suspicious deaths at the Danish court, and both find themselves entangled in a web of treachery and corruption. Hamlet Noir is at 7.30pm on Radio 3. The State of the Art is a new series in which you can hear satirical short stories by William Boyd, the reinvention of Giles Flint Greenfield. In this first one, pretension and duplicitousness abound as stuffy art dealer Flint Greenfield attempts to reinvent himself as Cutting Edge at 7.45 on Radio 4. Finally, for Sunday the 29th of October, there's an adaptation of Jerome K. Jerome's comic novel Three Men in a Boat, about a boating holiday on the Thames. Tune in to Radio 4 Extra at 8pm. And now, let's take a look at those programmes which are broadcast each weekday at the same time. How to Spot Potential 
is a new series of short features. The first is on sport and focuses on football, cycling and cricket. That's at 9.45am each day on Radio 4. There's a six-part dramatisation of The Moonstone, the 1868 detective thriller by Wilkie Collins. An ancient sacred diamond given to Rachel Verinder on her 18th birthday vanishes. At 10am or 3pm on Radio 4 Extra each day till Saturday the 4th of November. Composer of the week is Ludwig van Beethoven. Donald MacLeod explores five of the composer's most famous works. In this first instalment, he looks at the young Beethoven's relationship with the city of Vienna and his first piano concerto, which was to be a key work in his triumphant debut as a performer, at 12 noon each weekday on Radio 4. The Cows Are Mad continues into a second week. Today, Christine Lord becomes obsessed with the infamous episode of Agriculture Minister John Gummer feeding his daughter a beef burger on TV in 1990. She wants to know what killed her son, and beef is the prime suspect. At 1.45pm each weekday on Radio 4. Julian Simpson's horror story, Haunter of the Dark, is at 10.45pm each night on Radio 4. Podcaster Kennedy Fisher has spent three years trying to get to the bottom of a mysterious disappearance, but an answer phone message yields fresh hope. Also at 10.45pm each night on Radio 3 is the essay Highland Trails, in which poet Kenneth Stephen considers the introduction of wild animals into the highlands. He begins with reindeer. Monday the 30th of October. How to Play is a behind-the-scenes look at the Heath Quartet getting ready to perform Schubert's poignant Death and the Maiden String Quartet. At their living room rehearsal, we eavesdrop on the violinists, viola player and cellist as they tackle Schubert's tricky technical corners, test out different interpretations and share the joys and challenges of working on the piece as an ensemble. That's How to Play on Radio 4 at 4pm. Radio 3 in Concert tonight features Monteverdi's Vespro della Beata Vergine, Vespers for the Blessed Virgin, conducted by Simon Pierre Bestion, at 7.30pm on Radio 3. With a year to go to the presidential election, James Naughty reports from the US on the eruption of ideological fervour in a country more divided than at any time in the modern era. Election Countdown, America on the Edge, is at 8pm on Radio 4, repeated on Wednesday the 1st of November at 11am. This is followed by analysis, and more politics, this time in France. Edward Stoughton questions whether Emmanuel Macron's dominance of French politics could lead the country towards a constitutional crisis. While he has gained great support for the political centre, most of his rivals are far-left or far-right populists with no clear successor to carry forward Macron's ideas. France, a constitutional crisis in the making, is at 8.30pm on Radio 4. Tuesday the 31st of October. In Young Again, Kirsty Walk invites actor Steve Coogan to look back into his past and suggest advice he would give to his young self. At 11am on Radio 4 and repeated on Monday the 6th of November 
at 9pm. Today's drama on Radio 4 at 2.15pm is Rehab. Scottish social worker Jenny makes it her personal mission to prevent a young offender from making the same mistakes as she did. The afternoon concert on Radio 3 includes highlights of a concert of film music given by the Munich Radio Orchestra in July in Kissingen, Germany, with works by, among others, Verdi, Holst, Bach and Beethoven. The concert starts at 2pm on Radio 3. In Lady Killers with Lucy Worsley, Lucy this week reinvestigates the case of a young female servant who ran away with a stable boy after being accused of the murders of her master and his housekeeper in 1843 Canada. That's at 3.30pm on Radio 4. Ten years ago, journalist Krupa Paddy lost her first child because of medical negligence. Now she wants to find out why and what, if anything, has changed in Britain's maternity wards. All Being Well is at 8pm on Radio 4, repeated on Sunday the 5th of November at 5pm. And this is followed at 8.40pm by In Touch with Peter White. Wednesday the 1st of November. Over the next three days, you can hear three dramatisations of short stories by Agatha Christie, starring June Whitfield as Miss Marple. The first is Tape Measure Murder, in which a husband is under suspicion of murdering his wife, and Miss Marple is called to provide an alibi. The Case of the Perfect Maid is on tomorrow, Thursday, and on Friday, Sanctuary. Tune in to Radio 4 Extra and a choice of times each day, 6am, 11am or 4pm. In the early 1950s, a priest called Chad Vara found himself presiding at the funeral service of a 14-year-old girl who had taken her own life because she had misunderstood her menstruation to be a venereal disease. It led to Vara founding the Samaritans, the world's first crisis hotline in November 1953. As the organisation marks 70 years, Anna Lindstrom's drama tells the story of its visionary founder. That's today's drama, Samaritan No. 1, at 2.15 on Radio 4. A new series, Sideways, looks into our relationship with online critiquing and tells the story of how it was a dream come true for chef Davide Serratini to open his first restaurant. But then, things turned sour with ever more demanding customers and online reviews. That's Sideways at 4pm on Radio 4, and this is repeated on Sunday the 5th of November at 12.15am. Take a look inside the world of crisis management and spin doctors and find out why, when and how recent PR disasters came about. A new series of When It Hits the Fan is at 9pm on Radio 4. Finally, for Wednesday the 1st of November, Kenyan-born comedian Najambi McGrath continues to explore the past to find answers for the present. She compares her grandmother's life under imperialist Britain with the rise of Nazism and fascism to her own political climate right now. With her perspective as an African with British children, she takes on everything from race and royalty to cancel culture. That's Najambi McGrath... Black Black at 11pm 
on Radio 4. Thursday the 2nd of November. What is the scientific evidence behind eco-toilet rolls? Find out as once again Greg Foote and guests search for the evidence behind a product's bold claims. That's Sliced Bread at 12.32 on Radio 4. The drama Broken Colours continues. Dan has disappeared in mysterious circumstances and Jess finds herself torn in different directions, unaware of who she can trust, at 2.15 on Radio 4. At Carbath, just north of Glasgow, there are around 170 simple, off-grid wooden huts tucked into an area of woodland. Helen Mark visits some of the hutters to find out what the attraction is in a new series of Open Country at 3pm on Radio 4 and repeated on Saturday the 4th of November at 6.07am. There's a documentary tribute to the Canadian-born singer-songwriter Joni Mitchell exploring her life, music and influence to mark her 80th birthday. In this first episode, contributors include Graham Nash of Crosby, Stills and Nash, Mitchell's one-time partner. Tune into Legend, the Joni Mitchell story, at 4pm on Radio 4. Radio 3 in Concert celebrates the largely forgotten works of, arguably, the greatest Welsh female composer, Grace Williams, 1906-1977. Works include her ambitious, but neglected, Symphony No. 2, at 7.30pm on Radio 3. Continental Europe has seen a resurgence in long-distance train travel and sleeper services. So should we swap planes with trains? And will we see a day when we can take a direct train from our major cities to Vienna, Paris or Madrid without a lengthy border patrol queue? Evan Davis and guests discuss in The Bottom Line at 8.30pm on Radio 4. This is repeated on Monday the 6th of November at 11.30am. Friday the 3rd of November. The drama Highland continues. Deep in the woods of reclusive industrialist Darius Fordingbridge's estate, Dan meets a surprising new ally. Tune in to Radio 4 at 2.15pm. In this week's Close Encounters, Martha Kearney is joined at the recently reopened National Portrait Gallery by J.J. Chambers, who chooses to discuss a portrait of Sir Archibald Mackindoe the father of plastic surgery. His work during the Second World War on young airmen led to vital developments in battlefield and cosmetic surgery that Chambers reveals were behind his own recovery from serious bomb blast injuries sustained while serving in Afghanistan. That's Close Encounters at 2.45pm on Radio 4 and repeated on Saturday the 4th of November at 5.45am. Radio 3 in Concert comes from London's Barbican Hall. Eva Olikainen conducts the BBC Symphony Orchestra with works by Debussy, Stravinsky and Wenikowski. The live concert starts at 7.30pm on Radio 3. The second part of the omnibus edition of The Great Post Office Trial is at 9pm on Radio 4, in which Nick Wallace recounts the appalling stories of sub-postmasters who were falsely accused of stealing from their own post office branches. Also at 9pm, 
comes a programme exploring the life of opera legend Mariah Callis. That's Monsters of Music with Tom Allen on Radio 4 Extra at 9pm. And finally, for Friday the 3rd of November, don't forget, you can hear the concluding episode of the sci-fi drama The Midwich Cuckoos, starring Bill Nighy, at 12 midnight on Radio 4 Extra. Now for the audio-described television programmes for the week starting Saturday the 28th of October and ending Friday the 3rd of November 2023. Compiled by John and read by Lizzie. So let's start with Saturday. How about starting the day with crispy fried pakoras, potato burgers and cinnamon shortbread? That's what is on the menu for Nadia's Simple Spices on BBC One at 11.30. Say What You See is the objective of Catchphrase on ITV One at 11.40. Bargain Hunt from Shrewsbury is on BBC One at 1.15. The second magical story from J.K. Rowling Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets is the afternoon film on ITV1 at 3.40. It's the halfway point in the competition as Strictly Come Dancing celebrates Halloween week on BBC One at 6.40. There's a new series on BBC One this evening. 18 castaways head for the Caribbean for the ultimate physical and psychological game and the chance to win £100,000. Each week, someone is voted off until there is one survivor. BBC One at 8.25pm. Over to Channel 4, Julia continues her Irish journey. The broadcaster visits Northern Ireland where she sees how the divided city of Londonderry is slowly emerging from its troubled past. Julia Bradbury's Irish Journey is on Channel 4 at 8.35. Staying on Channel 4, at the turn of the 20th century, people in Britain and Europe saw black and brown people for the first time in what were hugely popular exhibitions known as human zoos. This programme looks at people who took part in these all-but-forgotten spectacles and uncovers remarkable, shocking and moving tales. Britain's Human Zoos is on Channel 4 at 9.25. On to Sunday the 29th. Key politicians and public figures are interviewed in Sunday with Laura Koonsberg at 9 this morning on BBC One. There are more Homes Under the Hammer at 11.30 on BBC One. Bargain Hunt from Southwell is on BBC One at 11.30. Kelvin takes Milo to his first ever cattle market in Fletcher's family farm on ITV1, also at 
Forests of kelp contain many dangers for the little horn shark, but the youngster has a secret weapon. The ocean is the subject of part two of Planet Earth Three, on BBC One at six twenty. Strictly Come Dancing: The Results is on BBC One at seven fifteen. The big build for the woodworkers this week is a freestanding bookshelf. Find out how they get on in part four of Handmade: Britain's Best Woodworker on Channel Four at eight. Also at eight, Leah and Hasana are confronted with hostility as they settle in the West Midlands. Lenny Henry's vivid 1950s set drama. Free Little Birds is on ITV One at eight. There's a new series on BBC One that follows three inmates at HMP Carlingford. Orla battles to keep her children out of care. Young heroin addict Kelsey must make a life-defining decision, and Abby is haunted by a sinister secret. Time. Part one of series two starts at nine on BBC One. Tasha discovers that the dream she is living may be about to turn into a nightmare. Part three of the ex-wife is on Channel Five at nine. Now programs that are on at the same time and same channel each weekday. Frontline fight back at ten forty-five. Homes under the hammer at eleven fifteen. Bargain hunt at twelve fifteen. Doctors at one forty-five, but not on Friday. Money for nothing at two fifteen. Escape to the country at three p.m. The traveling auctioners at three forty-five. The repair shop at four thirty. All these programs are on BBC One. James Martin's American Adventure on ITV One at two p.m. Heartbeat, two programs on at five fifty-five and six fifty-five p.m. on ITV Three. Great British Railway Journeys on BBC Four at seven. The soaps are on their usual channels at their usual times. Looking now at Monday, the thirtieth of October. Reptiles and amphibians of the British Isles, the Salem Witch Trials, Indian Premier League cricket, and King Edward the Eighth, all feature in the specialist rounds of Mastermind. On BBC Two at seven thirty, Italian chef Gennaro Contaldo rustles up homemade gnocchi using just five ingredients for Jamie's five-ingredient meals. On Channel Four at eight, it's Oxford Brookes University versus the Open University in University Challenge. At eight thirty on BBC Two, Rod Gilbert 
documents living with head and neck cancer over the course of 18 months of treatment. He sets himself a personal challenge to both raise awareness of the cancer, but also to raise funds for the hospital that saved his life. Rod Gilbert, a pain in the neck for Stand Up to Cancer, on Channel 4 at 9pm. The West Yorkshire Police launch a massive public appeal in the hope of rooting out the killer in The Long Shadow on ITV1 at 9. Four more chefs are put through their paces as they are given 90 minutes to prepare a two-course meal of their own devising in MasterChef The Professionals. On BBC One at nine. And now for Tuesday the 31st. It's the second heat of MasterChef The Professionals. One challenge is to prepare and cook scallops with carrots and a peanut sauce. How they get on is revealed at eight on BBC One. It's botanical week in the tent where the bakers tackle a selection of baking inspired by nature. The Great British Bake Off is on Channel 4 at 8pm. Lots of choice at 9. Officers from the Met Specialist Crime Unit investigate the disappearance of a woman last seen on CCTV entering a container, but she is never seen coming out. The Met on BBC One at nine. Following his death in May this year, this documentary examines the truth behind the rise and fall of Rolf Harris and how he became a trusted household name, but he had a dark secret. Rolf Harris hiding in plain sight on ITV One at nine. Another new series starts this time on Channel 4. Several celebrities want to find out what it's really like in British prisons. Banged Up gives them the experience of what life is like in prison. Using a decommissioned prison, former prison officers and reformed criminals to make it more realistic. Banged Up is on Channel 4 at 9. On to Wednesday the 1st of November. Are you a Doctor Who fan? As part of the 60th anniversary, David Tennant travels back in time through the BBC archives to tell the story of the Doctor's classic era. BBC 4 at 7.30 is the place to be for Talking Doctor Who. Radio Times then says that all 800 episodes of Doctor Who will be on BBC iPlayer from tonight. Enjoy! Nadia concludes her series with four easy-to-make recipes that are perfect for get-togethers. Nadia's Simple Spices on BBC Two at eight. A toy dog that has been burnt in a house fire, a rusty retro kitchen mixer and a nurse's belt buckle 
are all in need of help tonight in the repair shop on BBC One at 8.15. It's all around Nigella's for the last in her present series, where she cooks chicken with red grapes and marsala. Nigella at my table on BBC Two at 8.30. A shocking revelation in Lithuania leads to a confrontation with the reality of Cal's world. But when a fortunate discovery opens up a possible escape, will Lexi dare risk it? Find out in Payback on ITV1 at 9. After the death of her mother from cervical cancer, Charlotte is determined to find her father. Find out how she gets on in the last episode of DNA Family Secrets on BBC Two at nine. New detective D.I. Ruth Calder, played by Ashley Jensen, returns from London to her native Scottish Isles on the trail of a vulnerable witness to a gangland murder. She teams up with Tosh to find the young woman. Have you guessed that a new series of Shetland is on BBC One at nine? Thursday the 2nd. Mary Berry comes to the aid of celebrity pals who are struggling with cooking dilemmas. Mary joins Mel Gedrock on a camping trip to show her some tasty weekend dishes. Mary Makes It Easy is on BBC Two at 7.30. In Torbay, a yacht is in trouble. In Aberystwyth, a small boat has lost engine power. And in Dover, a boat with 30 people on board has capsized. Saving Lives at Sea on BBC Two at 8. It's the quarterfinals and the chefs have to create a dish with a twist. Starting from scratch, they have 70 minutes to create a dish that uses one of the four most wasted ingredients in the UK. Bread, milk, potatoes and bananas. See how they get on in MasterChef The Professionals on BBC One at 8. There's an extra slice of Bake Off on Channel 4 at 8. What's it like to be caught up in an avalanche? That's one of the unbelievable moments caught on camera on ITV1 at 9pm. Of the 45 recruits who signed up, just over half of them remain. During the final weeks of their infantry training at Katarik Camp, they are tested on their fighting abilities and on digging trenches at night. Who has made the grade to join the British Army? Find out in the final part of Soldier on BBC One at nine. Finally, to Friday the 3rd of November. There's an evening of stand-up to cancer on Channel 4. Starting at 7 with stand-up to cancer, the takeover. 
as Davina McCall and her team take over Channel 4. Then, at 8.30, Celebrity Gogglebox Part 1, followed by the final of Don't Look Down, where the celebs attempt to relay high-wire walk above the London Stadium. There's Part 2 of Celebrity Gogglebox at 9.30. Then, at 10, the comedy rose for Stand Up to Cancer. Rod Gilbert tells Cancer that it's not going to have the last laugh. In the crackpot of the Empire at 8pm, a former music hall comedian swears revenge on the priest. And then at 9, in the daughter of Autolycus, Flambeau enlists Father Brown's help to steal a gift intended for the Queen. Both of these episodes of Father Brown are on the Drama Channel, starting at 8. Robin experiences an epiphany that has a profound effect on the others, while Alison suggests a spontaneous night out with Mike. Find out what I'm talking about in Ghosts on BBC One at 8.30. Choose seven recordings from the natural world that illustrate our understanding of song. That's what David Attenborough has done. Some of them show surprising strategies that animals have developed to stay alive. Attenborough's Wonder of Song on BBC Two at 9pm. With Dermot and Maria's wedding looming, nerves are on edge in the Brown household. Tonight's Mrs Brown's Boys, subtitled Mammy of the Bride, is on BBC One at 9.30. I hope you find something of interest this week. TNF Soundings 